So, if you have your Bibles, won't you quickly open them up to two places. One is 2 Timothy chapter 3, and the other is Matthew chapter 9. But I'm going to do something today that is probably not right with regard to homiletics. I'm not actually preaching on either one of those passages. I'm actually preaching on Psalm 46.1. But you'll see that on the screen, and you won't need that. And hopefully by the end of this message, you would have learned Psalm 46.1. Let the church say amen. So if you have it in your Bibles or you're going to look on the screen, we normally stand up to give honor to God's word. So if you can stand up, why don't you go ahead and stand up? If 2 Timothy is up on the screen, say amen. Amen. But know this, that in the last days perilous times will come. For men will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, unloving, unforgiving, slanderers, without self-control, brutal, despisers of good, Traitors, headstrong, haughty, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. Verse 5. Having a form of godliness, but denying its power. Matthew 9 should be up on the screen. Jesus was going through all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom. And healing every disease and every sickness. Verse 36. Seeing the crowds, he felt compassion for them because they were distressed and downcast like sheep without a shepherd. Father God, we ask that you would speak to us through your word today. We pray, Father, that Jesus Christ would be glorified and that he would be lifted up. And that as he is lifted up, we would see him. And as we see him, we would believe on him. And as we believe on him, we would be saved. This is our prayer in Jesus' name. Won't you say amen? Amen Amen. Amen. and amen. You may be seated. I believe it was 2015. Denzel Washington was the commencement speaker for Dillard University in New Orleans, And this is what he said as he began his commencement message. He said, put God first. Put God first in everything you do. Everything that you think you see in me, everything that I've accomplished, everything that you think I have, and I have a few things, everything that I have is by the grace of God, and I understand that it's a gift. I've been protected, I've been directed, I've been corrected, I've been kept, and I've kept God in my life, and He has kept me humble. I didn't always stick with Him, but He always stuck with me. So stick with God in everything you do. If you think you want to do what I've done, and you think you want to have what I've had, then do what I've done. Stick with God. And put God first. Now that sounds wonderful, doesn't it? And as I, as I, as I often do during this 
uh, time of year because I'm asked to give addresses and give remarks at, at different commencements and baccalaureates and graduations. Uh, what I'll do is listen to, to graduation speeches of others. And let me tell you what most of the flavor of those speeches center upon. They center upon what graduates ought to do. What they ought to do. But let me tell you what few people uh, tell you as they give you these wonderful things that you ought to do. And they are wonderful things. They very seldom tell you that trouble is nearby. You know, I got my driver's license at 16. On my 16th birthday, I was about first in line at the DMV to get my license. I've been driving a long time. But when I got to Birmingham, I learned something about driving that I did not learn in California. And that was, I didn't know what it meant, that when you're going in this direction and another car is going in this direction and they flash their headlights at you. The first time that happened, I thought there was something wrong with my car. Or maybe I didn't screw in the, the gas cap or, or maybe uh, my tire was low. And, and, and I would see people flash their lights at me. I didn't know what it meant. But slowly but surely, I found out that when people flash their lights at you, they know you're going ahead and something ahead of you is going on. One time somebody flashed their lights at me and there was a speed trap ahead of me. There was a, a, a police officer that was around the corner that was waiting for those to go too fast. Another time someone flashed their headlights at me, there was a, an accident that was ahead and, and it was a downhill slope where people went really, really fast and they were, they were flashing their headlights at me to say slow down. On another occasion, there was a, a, a neighborhood dog. It, it didn't look like a stray dog. It looked like somebody was, was keeping that dog, and maybe they got out of the yard. But the dog was there, and, and they flashed their lights to say, slow down, you don't want to hit that dog. Well, what the flashing lights meant was that there is something ahead of you that you need to pay attention to. Men and women who are graduating, family members who have family that are graduating, those of us who have already graduated, I want to tell you that this message is about flashing headlights. This message is to prepare you for things that are coming before you. In 2 Timothy chapter 3, the passage that we just read, it says that in the last days perilous times are going to come. Men and women, they are here. Every characteristic that is mentioned, we are seeing on the news, we are seeing in our lives, we are seeing with people connected to us. Men are lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents. I know you all are never that way, but disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, unloving, unforgiving, slanderers, without self-control. And then the last phrase is one phrase that I'm very concerned about. It says, having a form of godliness, but denying its power. Stay with me here, because I'm very concerned. My whole life has been wrapped up around ministering to young people. 
I'm the chaplain of the Birmingham Southern College men's basketball program. I just had uh, breakfast with one of the players yesterday, and we were talking about his relationship with God. And we started mentioning one by one each of the players who've had personal issues going on with them. A couple of the players aren't coming back because they've done things that they should not have done. And maybe they're not uh, making the grade in school, or they've got expelled, or, or, or they just lost focus of where they are. I'm the basketball coach of, of uh, the girls at Restoration Academy, and, and the years previous to that, I coached the boys. And what I'm finding is, although our children are wrapped up in a Christian environment, it is dangerous because they have developed a form of godliness, but have denied its power. It is dangerous to know the language. It is dangerous to know all of the right answers. It is dangerous to have a form of godliness, but to deny the power of God. Now, one of the reasons why I mentioned Mama Lois earlier is that Mama Lois didn't play church. Mama Lois did not uh, stand for you to just mouth the words. She wanted to see you become a godly woman. And make no mistake, she not only ministered to girls, she ministered to boys as well. Men and women, it is dangerous for us to teach our young people the Bible and they're still on their way to hell. I'm just saying, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. And it grieves me. Because when the rubber meets the road, What we want to see is changed lives. What we want to see is more people who will say, this is my situation. And I I, I saw the flashing lights and I headed for trouble, but I was ready for it. And as you've graduated, what you're going to find that as you finish high school, it doesn't get easier. Take it from me. All four of my daughters have finished high school. All four of my daughters have finished college. And here is the refrain that they say over and over and over again. Daddy, I could not wait to finish. I could not wait to be on my own. But you know what? Adulting is hard. You got to pay bills. You, you got to worry about Ain't nobody going to tell you when to get up. And nobody's going to tell you to do the right thing. And nobody's going to tell you to avoid the wrong things. Nobody's going to tell you, hey, don't get in that relationship. you got to make decisions on your own. And I'll tell you about the, the, the great theologian who was my dad that never stepped foot in a church and wasn't a Christian, but he had, he had his theology. And he used to say over and over again, son, you can do whatever you want to do. It's a free country. You can do whatever you want to do. It's just that you can't escape the consequences of what you do. And men and women, I believe that God wants us to prepare our young people for the next journey. I believe that we need to be the flashing headlights that says, hey, there's something coming up that you need to pay attention to. There's something coming up that might be dangerous for you. There's something coming up that might be bigger than you because all of us adults have learned that sometimes life just gets too big. It gets too big. 
got family problems and you got friend problems and you got financial problems and you got disappointment and you got disease. And like I told somebody the other day, it's all fun and games until somebody dies. You got death to worry about. Broke my heart. I coached Lorenzo Davis for, for at least uh, four years that I was there. And to have uh, uh, Minister, uh, uh, um, Minister uh, um, Brandon Knight talk about Lorenzo's mom and how Lorenzo's mom passed away. She was the mother of all mothers. But it crushed not only Lorenzo, but everybody that was attached to him. And so... All of these things. It's almost as if Jesus said, as he looked out on the multitude and and he looked at them with compassion and he looked because they were distressed and downcast like sheep without a shepherd. Distressed is living in this old sinful world and people are mean and people are hateful and people do things that that break your heart and hurt your feelings. They're distressed, but, but people were also downcast. They had to deal with the sins of others, but they had to deal with their own sin. And, and, and I, true confessions, a lot of my problems are not because other people sinned against me. It's because I sinned. It's because I was wrong. It's because I made the mistake. It's because I made the wrong choice. It's because I made a bad decision. And so if we confess... We're, we're pressed between a rock and a hard place. We're dealing with this old sinful world and people sin against us, but we're also dealing with our own sin. And so for the next few minutes, I'm only going to go about 10 or 15 minutes. The next few minutes, I want you to zero in on Psalm 46, verses 1 and 2. And the title of my message is simply the verse. God is our refuge and strength. A very present help in the time of trouble. Therefore, we will not fear. God is our refuge and strength. A very present help in the time of trouble. Point number one, God is our refuge. Won't you repeat after me? God is our refuge and our strength. A very present help in the time of trouble. Now, we're going to do it again, but this time you do it like you really mean it, okay? (laughs) Repeat after me. God is our refuge and our strength, a very present help in the time of trouble. Point number one is God is our refuge. Many of you, when the storm comes, I've tuned into the TV and you see Jerry Tracy. And Jerry Tracy makes me upset just about every storm season because Jerry Tracy interrupts normal programming. He's on there all night if he has to, and his one primary goal is to make sure that you know that there is a storm coming. And, and, and when he does that, he, he says, okay, in this area of time, town, you immediately find your safe place. What I'm telling you is when God says he is our refuge, what it means is he is our safe place. He is our safe place. He is our refuge. And we journey to a safe place. Raise your hand if, you've, if you're aware of what's going on in Ukraine. And when, when, when the Soviet Union came into re- Ukraine, all of a sudden, many of the Ukrainians decided to leave their, their country. And guess what they became? Refugees. They became refugees because they wanted to find a safe place. 
They wanted to find security and they wanted to find uh, success. They knew that they couldn't leave there, leave, live there because it was dangerous. So they went to find refuge and they, they became refugees. And what God is saying to us is when you get in trouble, when you get to that place, either because of the sins of others or your own sin, you need a refuge because the storm is coming. You've got to find your safe place. And what he's saying is, I'm your refuge. I'm your refuge. God himself was the refuge. And in the Old Testament, what they had was cities of refuge. Guess what a city of refuge was? Because God's law said if you killed somebody, that you had to die, an eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth. But what if you killed someone, Reverend Ron, and it was an accident? What you could do is flee to the city of refuge. And in that city of refuge, you would find safety. You committed the crime, you're confessing to the crime, but you've repented of the crime, and you go to the city of refuge. You find that place of safety. Psalm 62, 7 and 8 says, My salvation and my honor depend on God. He is my mighty rock, my refuge. Trust in Him at all times, you people. Pour out your hearts to Him, for God is our refuge. Repeat after me. God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in the time of trouble. Point number two, not only is God our refuge, but the scripture says God is our strength. He is our strength. He gives us power to endure hardship, to fight spiritual battles. We are weak. And men and women, the first thing that will enable us to access God's power is to admit that we are weak. Because his power is perfected in my weakness, in my weakness. The most dangerous thing that you can do is say, I got this. God, I don't need you. God, I don't trust you. God, you don't, you know, I got this. And men and women, I lived like that for years. I've lived like that even after I became a Christian in ministry. And many of you girls don't know this. I don't know if Tiara has told you or not. But in November, I had my third heart attack because I decided to do things my own way. I decided to be reckless with my body by eating whatever I wanted, by eating fast food, three meals a day, by drinking Cokes and Pepsis and all that kind of thing in disregard for good health. And make no mistake, my dad, the theologian, came immediately to my mind, you can do whatever you want to do, but you cannot escape the consequences of what you do. And so, you graduates... You young people, you make sure that you're depending on God because He is your strength. He is the one that gives us strength. Ephesians 6 says, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of His might. Well, Pastor Mike, you're talking about being strong in the Lord and you're talking about God's strength. How do I access it? Well, let me tell you. Dr. Howard John Wesley the pastor of Alfred Street Baptist Church in Alexandria, Virginia, tells the story of traveling with his young son. And they stopped at a hotel. And Dr. Uh, uh, Wesley was getting all of the luggage and his hands were full, but his, his little son went to the door and the door was too heavy for him to open. 
He couldn't open the door to the hotel. And he comes back to his daddy and says, Daddy, I'm not strong enough. Daddy, I, I can't access it. I can't open the door. Dr. Wesley said, well, son, move from that door and go to the revolving door. And the son says, well, what is that going to do? It's closed, too. He said, son, go to the revolving door. And as he's going to the revolving door, it immediately starts turning and opens for his son. Kind of scared him. So he runs back to his daddy and says, Daddy, the door opened when I got close to it. How did that happen? And he said he decided to school his son. He says, Son, as you approach the door, at the top of the door, there is a little sensor that sees that you are on your way. And as you are on your way, the sensor recognizes that you are on your way and the door begins to open. Y'all ain't hearing me. When you are walking toward God, after you have confessed that you're not strong enough, after you've confessed that you're not smart enough, after you've confessed that you're not wise enough, after you've confessed that it's too heavy, that you can't move it, and you move toward what your father told you to do, what your daddy said do, all of a sudden there is a sensor that accesses his power. And the door begins to open even before you get there. There ought to be an amen that goes right there. Right there. Because, ladies, all we have to do is go to our Heavenly Father. Access Him. Ask, Lord, it's too big. Lord, it's too heavy. Lord, I can't do it. Lord, I need your help. Lord, I'm going to go toward you and I'm going to trust that you are going to open this door for me. Because, repeat after me, God is our refuge. Repeat it like you mean it. God is our refuge and our strength, a very present help in the time of trouble. Point number one was God is our refuge. Point number two, God is our strength. But point number three is a very present help. God is a very present help. God is a very present help. In the time of trouble. He's an ever-present help. I love this very present help. Uh, a, a lot of, uh, of, of, of translations have it different. They say ever-present. What it means is that God is always there. He's not a far-off help. He, you, you don't have to message him and, and text message him and you, you think he's blocking you or, or you think he's, he, he's ghosting you. No, He is always, he is an ever-present help in the time of trouble. He is there ready to help you. He is there and he wants you to access him. My wife is here and there aren't too many people on the planet that I loved more than her parents. My mother and father-in-law lived just about a mile and a half away from this church. They got older and older and older, and their bodies began to wear out. And I remember when Dad's uh, legs were such that he no longer could walk. He had to access a wheelchair. Mom would call me periodically and say, Hey, Michael, won't you come over because your daddy has fallen, and I can't get him up. Dad was a very large man. Mom was getting older, and she couldn't do that. And, and, and she would call, and I'd gladly uh, pick him up. If I was a little bit further away, I'd say, Mom, I'm, I'm a, it's going to be an hour. 
and she would put a pillow under his head. And he was such a prince of a man, he wouldn't get angry. He would just wait until somebody helped him up. Well, I remember this occasion. Uh, she says, hey, why don't you sit here? I want to tell you a story. Your daddy fell yesterday. I said, how come you didn't call me? She said, I tried to call you, but I couldn't get through. And I said, well, I bother him so much, I didn't want to leave a message. I just, I decided to pray. Because I couldn't pick him up myself. I couldn't do it. I knew I needed help. And I said, Lord Jesus, I can't pick up my, my sweetheart by myself. I can't pick up this man by myself. I'm trusting you. She said, Michael, I, as God is my witness, it wasn't 30 minutes. It wasn't even 30 minutes that the doorbell rang. And many of you harvesters remember Joseph Jones, Alan and Tanya Jones' son, Joe. Joe was a student over at, at uh, Jeff State Community College. He had classes in the morning, and he finished up his classes right before noon. He didn't have another class until late at evening, late afternoon. And he lives in Hueytown, and he said, there was a strong impression that I believe was God that said, don't go to Hueytown and then drive all the way back. Finish your class and go see Mom Cater. She said it wasn't... 30 minutes before the doorbell rang and there was Joe. And she says, Joseph, what are you doing here? She says, Mom Cater, I think God told me to come over here. And then she says, he did. Come here, I got something for you to do. Because repeat after me, God is our refuge and our strength. A very present help in the time of trouble. You see, one of the things that Mama Lois talked about over and over and over and over again was the priority of prayer. When you need help, you got to ask. When you need help, you have to humble yourself and ask for help. Some of us are so prideful, we say, I'm not going to ask, I want to ask, I don't want them helping me, I want to do it myself. And it's like you trying to pick up 500 pounds. You can't do it! Love that commercial that's out there. It's okay to ask for help. Because God is our refuge and God is our strength. A very present help in the time of trouble. And point number four, I'll finish up with this. Therefore, therefore, we will not fear. Graduating can be very fearful. And as my testimony, Gracie, I had panic attacks. I had migraine headaches. I got nauseous every time I got promoted. Where I'm from... We didn't have kindergarten graduation, but where I'm from, there was kindergarten to third grade. And you graduated, you got promoted from the third grade, and you went to a different school. You went to a different school that was from fourth grade to sixth grade. And my mother reminds me of those times where, where I didn't want to go to school. I cried. I said, Mama, I don't want to go. I'd rather stay in the third grade. I know everybody there. Honey, you can't stay in the third grade. They're all moving to the fourth grade. Yeah, you got to go. I don't know those people at that school. And then I got to that school, and, 
after a few weeks, I got comfortable, and then I matriculated to the sixth grade. We had junior high where you would go to seventh and eighth grade. And I didn't want to go to the seventh grade because in the seventh grade, you switch classes. You switch classes with, with, with different subjects. And I was, I was content having the same teacher in the same class, in the same desk, with the same routine and the same schedule. And I said, Mama, I don't want to go to the next level. And, and I didn't use the term, I'm afraid, but she knew. And I got there, and I fought through, and then the 7th and 8th grade, and I don't know why they did this, but in my city, they had ninth grade, and it was a whole school of ninth graders. So I had to go through the adjustment at ninth grade and the 10th grade. And I remember finishing high school, and Terrain, my best friend, said, let's fly across country and go to school in Atlanta. You talk about migraine headaches. I don't know if you all know Excedrin with extra strength. But they didn't even have Tylenol back then. It wasn't as popular. But I flew into Atlanta in August. I didn't see my family again until mid-December. And everything screamed in me that whole first semester, go home. Don't finish. I was fearful. I was afraid. I was scared. I was nervous. I was anxious. It affected my body. It affected my mind. It affected what I did. I stayed in my dorm room most of the time because I was afraid. Do you know that the most used command in all of the Bible is do not fear? And there are 365 recurrences or occurrences of do not fear. And what God is telling each one of us is you got to do not fear for every day of the year. Do not fear. Do not fear. Isaiah 41.10, fear not for I am with thee. Be not dismayed. I am your God. I'm telling you, both of you and all of the other graduates and those that are graduating from college, don't fear. It's going to be all right. You might have to go through it. You may be afraid. You may be scared. But be like me. Go through it and do it scared. Do it scared. Trust God and do it scared. Fear is just a natural emotion that all of us have. Don't listen to anybody that says, don't be afraid. It's just go ahead and be afraid and fight through that thing and do what God wants you to do. There's an amen that goes right there. Right there. Because all of us are faced with fear. That's, that's what the flashing lights are for. There's something ahead of you that's too big. I love this. There's a verse in Isaiah 40 that says, But to those who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. That word renew means to exchange. In the Old Testament, it means to exchange. God wants to, 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 you give God this and he'll give you something else. So you give your God your fear and he gives you his help. You give him your weakness and he gives you his strength. You give him your tiredness and he gives you his strength. You give him your desire to give up and he gives you his strength. You give him your desire to give out and, and, and he gives you his strength. You give him your desire to give in and he gives you his strength. He exchanges 
what you have for what He wants to give you. Because, repeat after me, God is our refuge and our strength, a very present help in the time of trouble. Therefore, we will not fear. The greatest man who's ever lived in history is Jesus. He had no servants, yet they called him master. He had no degree, yet they called him teacher. He had no medicine or degree, yet they called him healer. He had no army, yet they called him king of kings and lord of lords. He committed no crime, but they sentenced him to death. He was buried in a tomb. What I'm telling you here today is that when it says God is our refuge and our strength, a very present help in the time of trouble is talking about Jesus. I will not fear because I have Jesus. I will not fear because he's in my life. I will not fear because I've committed myself to him. I will not fear because he's forgiven me of all of my sin. I will not fear because no matter what I do, he's always there. I will not fear because when life gets too big, I can run to him. I will not fear because there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Some of us think when we get out, we got to have it all together. we got to get perfect. Let me tell you about these. These flashing lights, the flashing lights say you're going to make some mistakes. You're going to get in trouble. What people don't know is that quote that I gave about Denzel Washington when he said, put God first, when he said, trust God. He said that he said that because he had just flunked out of college. He had a 1.7 grade point average. He was sitting in his mama's beauty shop. He didn't know what he was going to do. He thought he was going to go to the military or he thought he'd just get a retail job. And a lady who had her hair under the hair dryer kept looking at him, kept making eye contact with him. And she, she said, come here, boy, I got a prophecy for you. Get a pencil of paper because I want you to write it down. And she wrote it down. And here was her prophecy. Boy, you are going to travel the world and you're going to speak and influence millions. He thought about that. He embraced that. He received that. And although he got far away from that, it wasn't perfect. But then he got his first acting job. And then he got his next acting job. And then he got his next acting job. And then he got a big part. And then he opened up doors. And now he is the Denzel Washington that we know. Because he decided to trust God. He decided to listen to the voice of the Holy Spirit. He decided not to play church. He decided not to have just a form of godliness. But he listened to this woman that gave him a word. Let me give you a word today. I'll give you the same word that I give my girls basketball team at Restoration. No, they're not perfect. Yes, they get on my nerves. Yes, they're spoiled. Yes, they don't do always do the right thing. Yes, they backtalk me sometimes. Yes, they roll their eyes. But I love them just the same. And I look at them and I say, listen, you come over here, especially my Zaria. My Zaria broke her leg in the middle of a game two years ago. I prayed for her. We ministered to her family. She calls me Coach Granddaddy. And I look in her face, I cup her face in my hands, and I say, you know what, Zaria? I see greatness in you. You know what, Terrain? 
I don't know if you believe it. I don't know if you see it, but I see greatness in you. Gracie, I see greatness in you. You two that are graduating, I see greatness in you. And those around you see it too. You may be as far away from it as you may think. You may think, well, I sin too much. Well, I got a bad attitude. Well, No, it ain't over till it's over. God has the flashing lights ahead of you, and you just drive around the danger. You just slow down so you won't get caught in the speed trap. And even if you do, Jesus has paid it all. Amen or oh me. For the last time, repeat after me like you believe God. God is my refuge and my strength. A very present help in the time of trouble. Therefore, we will not fear. Therefore, we will not fear. Therefore, I'm going to trust God. I'm going to believe God. I'm going to worship God. Because He sees greatness in me. Now give God your great praise. Give God your best praise. Worship Him like you love Him. Give Him a standing ovation. Amen or oh me.